Welcome to another episode of Bleeding Edge Interviews. My name is Superdate, and I'm here to bring you another conversation with one of the top stars in the world of progressive rock and metal. If you're ever curious about what goes through the minds of the people who create all this music and what inspires them, well, this is the place to find out. So it seems that there's this trend lately of young newcomers to the prog world making music based on their experiences growing up listening to modern prog. And I'm not talking about Yes and Moody Blues and Pink Floyd. I'm talking about the people that grew up listening to Porcupine Tree, Opeth, Transatlantic, Spock's Beard, the modern day masters of progressive music, and it's making me feel old. Let me be honest, it makes me feel old, and at the same time, I love it. I love to see young people inspired by this music and embracing it, and honestly, it feels like we're in an age where Prague is starting to come back into its own, just a little bit at least. There's a niche for everything at this point in time, and I think every form of music has its audience. But it really does feel to me like Prague is starting to edge its way back into the common consciousness, the popular consciousness. And I think that is so damn cool. I'm loving it. So talking about newcomers, we're talking about the mastermind behind the new band, The Anchorette. And his name is Edward Levitsky. And he's got a pretty impressive story here about how this concept, how this project came together. And a lot of the hints as to where it comes from are in the title and in the name of the band. And it's a really cool story how he pulled diverse musicians and artists together to help him with this. And that would be the, the debut album of The Anchorette. It all began with loneliness. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Ed Levitsky of the Anchorette. Thank you for joining me, Ed. I really appreciate your time tonight. Um, so we've got a new band here, and uh, I understand you are pretty much the core of the band, the, the originator of everything, but tell me a little bit about it. Tell me about your background prior to the Anchorette. Well, hi. Thank you very much for having me on this show Thank you for giving me uh, for for uh, giving me some time to talk about the Anchorette, which is yeah, it's it's my baby. I've had the idea of I don't know bridging prog me- prog rock and metal for you know years now because it's music I grew up listening to, uh, you know records from my father, but then I was part of several uh, you know local uh, metal bands here, black metal bands, a couple of death metal bands, a couple of melodic stuff too, uh, as a bassist and as a guitar player. Um, and you know, I just wanted more of a creative outlet and I really wanted to bridge that, uh, love of both of those worlds, you know, and, uh, that's how it came up to be. You know, I ran out of excuses during the the pandemic, during COVID, uh, you know, the, the album is called It All Began With Loneliness because it really did begin there. I absolutely was looking for an outlet, you know, something to express myself, something to keep my sanity. It was really tough on me. I was in a new, uh, I, I moved recently, uh, you know, restarting life, restarting everything. And then this thing hit. And so I was really at a low, low point in my life. Um, so that's where the anchorage comes in, you know, because I felt like I was living this ascetic kind of lifestyle too so as you can see the anchor and it all began with loneliness you know if for me the pandemic had a flag that would be that you know logo at uh, that uh, 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 cover album <laughs> of, uh, of 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 the debut album yeah yeah i honestly i think you and a lot of people because <laughs> it was a uh, it was a weird time and i and i because of when I started doing this, I've been able to witness a lot of different reactions and hear a lot of different reactions to that on the part of creative types like yourself. You know, that for a lot of them, it propelled a good bit of creativity. I guess the old adage that um, suffering in a certain <laughs> sense and, and um, discord can feed the creative juices a little bit. Uh, the classic example I always use is Pink Floyd's or Pink Floyd's, yeah. Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, yes, you know, what for a long time was the biggest selling album of all time. And holy crap, they were a hot mess throughout the, old, the entire creation of that album. And yet it seemed to come out with something. And it seems like that's 
been the same for you, that it, it turned into fueling your creative juices and talking about those influences of yours. Like I know, at least to my ear, some of the stuff that on the surface there probably is Opeth and Porcupine Tree. Um, you're nodding, so I guess I am close. So Guilty as charged. Like... Guilty as charged. Pink Floyd all over. Uh, I mean, it's part of the DNA, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, you know, and a lot of people, when they bring in influences, you know, everyone has a different uh, kind of vision of it. You know, everyone has the same balls and, and you know, hate and, and put their taste into things, right? So I've only used the same raw materials as everyone else. It's just that I kind of went about it in a different way and uh it was important for me to if i did include something like a saxophone or flute for example it would become part of the dna of the album that was the, the most you know important thing for me it wasn't just you know two measures of gospel vocals here and then we never never talk about it you know yeah. it was very important to kind of create a soundscape that was that meant something yeah yeah and i think you really did a good job of that there's a there's clearly a lot of varied influences in that in that stew of a mix of yours and yet the album is exceedingly cohesive it doesn't feel like we just tacked on a piece of this and a piece of that or whatever thank you uh, i appreciate it it absolutely has a flow to it um and i and i gotta say speaking on someone who who all right i grew up in the 80s so this was more common back then but i love to hear somebody actually employ the saxophone again Oh yeah, I think it's. I think you're gonna see the saxophone more and more in metal and progressive music. I have a feeling that it's become one of those instruments that, um, you know, brings this new flavor. But again, you know, I'm really hoping that whoever does bring in the saxophone or all this, you know, horns and, and trumpets, you know, the new Haken uses trumpets, for example. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more of that that they don't just like settle for uh, bringing it as a feature. You know, it's not right. featuring saxophone. It should be part of the DNA. It should say something. And for me, it's the saxophone, where it came from, that was me listening to Crime of the Century all the time forever <laughs> that's where i heard it the first time of course it's pink floyd and of course you can find it in pretty much all new wave you know 80s bands which are you know it's also great but crime of the century you know that's what inspired me to bring it in and i've always had that since i was very little that i always wanted to kind of explore that and i'm lucky enough to have found a soundscape that kind of fits that mold now so i'm very lucky and i'm very happy to have um employed it yeah nice yeah it's it honestly it is that it harkens back like i hadn't thought of crime of the century until you said that but in my mind too um i, I think of things like you know alan parsons project you know it, and most of the times back then if you heard saxophone uh, as guest on an album you usually could look in the liner notes and find the names mel collins who yeah. seemed <laughs> to be always there and it, so it's like it, it it was a very cool moment to go wow saxophone in the middle of, of a, a prog metal segment, a prog metal song. I'm like, how cool is that? Because, you know, nobody's done that. So I, I like that blending. I'm curious, among the mix there of bands, like a lot of the ones, you know, you've named so far, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. What might surprise us to hear as a big influence within this album? Oh, wow. I really did throw in everything but the kitchen sink into here. Um, Surprise? I'm not sure. I think everyone surprises me by finding influences in there of, you know, things that they kind of think back and this reminds them of things, you know. I've discovered, by reading the reviews of the album, I've discovered a lot of bands, like the vocals reminded people of Barren Earth, for example. It's a band that I wasn't familiar with and I'm I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of stuff like that. But there's a lot of King Crimson, there's a lot of Cynic. Uh, one influence I can throw in, in there is maybe Queen, that doesn't really come it uh, come up like you know right away yeah uh, but the, that's you know the guitar player uh is a big fan of queen you know and that's what he grew up listening to and he grew up uh playing that so um the last track on the album is a very personal one for me uh it's called stay and it's about my friend you know who is fighting uh soft tissue sarcoma um and it's a very you know, it's a very, very personal, very dear song for me and for him. Um, and I don't know, the one song that I really wanted to kind of put in the DNA of into that 
because that's the way I wanted to say it was, you know, Who Wants to Live Forever by Queen, which is this big, gigantic song with a big, gigantic solo in there that kind of even goes a little bit too long even. <laughs> um, and it has that DNA uh, of that song specifically and that solo inside uh, that track stage. So I'm guessing Queen would be my choice of uh, surprising uh, influence. Nice. Very cool. Uh, I actually noticed uh, for the video for Forsaken, uh, the top comment in there was a cool one where it said it's like David Bowie meets between the buried and me with some heavy sax parts mixed in. I'm like, okay. You want I, I, I screenshotted that one and I'm going to hang it on the wall next to all <laughs> the other <laughs> pictures right there. <laughs> right. Have, have that framed, uh, have it done in cross stitch and framed on the wall. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> so you anticipated one of my questions about the idea of it being uh, a personal album with its roots, especially in the title and the name of the band, uh, as far as the time and place when it was written. So it sounds like you've been working on it for quite a while because it's uh, we've you know opened things up a little bit since then. I'm not sure where you were during that time, um, but it's clear to me you were really wearing your heart on your sleeve in terms of the construction of this album. I I try to, of course. I mean this whole. I started bringing in a lot of my personal, I wanted to have something to say, you know, and I had something to say during that album. So of course it's, it's become personal, but you know, some of these ideas of bridging and, and using prog rock and metal, uh, as I said, I've, I had those for a long, a long time. It's just that I felt like, you know, I hadn't had that push to kind of actually say something, actually go out there and put myself out there, put a little piece of you because, you know, it is, you at that moment that's the that's who you are when you release yeah. an album um and you know the whole story of it is because uh i when i did dabble you know when i played music with my friends uh, with colleagues and with different bands you know most people were a little bit more close-minded so when i did talk about you know i wanted to incorporate a little bit of saxophone i wanted to incorporate something about pink floyd and believe it or not people were extremely close to that and that's those ideas, you know, could have festered, but I kept developing them. Yeah. I've kept developing them and I kept looking for more of an, um, you know, an audience that would be a little bit more open-minded. And unfortunately, that's what happened. I've never found it. I've never found colleagues that I could play with, uh, you know, that were maybe a little bit more open to those ideas. Yeah. So, you know what? I said, I need this. This is a good occasion for me to pour my you know heart and soul out i'm gonna see where this goes and i started working on those and making them what they are today uh on my own i've never expected to uh collaborate with so many amazing people that's just the miracle of that time that period and the incredible luck that i had um you know uh and i put as much honesty into the songs as possible because i think that's the most important ingredient in music you have to be honest when you have to say something um and musically, it grew up. And, you know, that thing that I was lacking, that, you know, human connection that I was looking for, surprisingly, you know, it all began with loneliness, but we're very far from there today. And I feel so privileged to have worked and collaborated on this album with amazing people who I consider great friends today, you know, even if we're oceans apart. And that's the power of music. That's it really is. Yeah. I'm very curious about this, too, because, uh, you know, despite the isolation of the times, you pulled together this this group of collaborators um, that are apparently scattered across the globe. Um, so I'm curious, like, one, tell us a little bit about who they are, and two, how how did you link up with these guys? How did you pull this together to be able to make this happen, you know, in far-flung edges of, edges of the world? Well, the... I think it's, uh, you know, the internet is a beautiful place. Uh, if you, it's the most, it connects people, but it divides, divides people, unfortunately, as well. But in my case, I was really looking for that connection. So I was searching for apps, you know, in that, there's a lot of apps looking for musicians and you start chatting, you start developing ideas. But of course, you know, you have to show something. You have to show your effort in the whole mix as well. So I had a pre-finished demo. I've been working on it on and off for, you know, at least a year and or more. 
Um, and I was starting to recruit those musicians where to replace all the really terrible parts that I did and all the fake instruments that I've used with real musicians, you know? And what I found is that people, maybe due to the pandemic, maybe this is just how lucky I got and it was the great, you know, the, the, the good moment to do it. People were very open to it. They felt the honesty in the songs and they wanted to contribute as well. Uh, and go above and beyond, you know, through those apps, through those, uh, through the internet, through Facebook, uh, through message boards, you know, through Reddit, uh, all of those. And, you know, I was, I don't know, socially awkward, I guess, because it's a pandemic, you never know, you know, I'm in a new town, everything's very new, I'm just, you know, I've got this anxiety. So going through the internet kind of helped me build up a little bit, you know, my, my, my confidence and talking with people who I was surprised enjoyed my music because honestly, I couldn't really ask. I just was working on it in a silo, hoping for the best. But in all honesty, I thought I would be pissing off both the metal community because that's my experience from it when I was, you know, presenting the music. But also the pro community can also be very kind of close-minded and, you know, with the heavier elements. So I thought I would be bridging, you know, being in between those worlds. And instead of bridging people, I would just, you know, piss both of them off. So seeing that people like Andy Tillerson, who were available to work and I was lucky enough to, you know, contact, were very excited about this music, kind of started making me feel like, oh, okay. I never expected this, but I feel like we have something interesting. Um, and I was open-minded enough for, for them to kind of, basically I build a sandbox and I asked them to play in it. And they, the performances that they've delivered was so much above and beyond. And, you know, we kept contact as well, which is also above and beyond. Um, so that's how, you know, you, you present something that's final. You present something, you, you have to have like a, uh, a, a more or less, you know, a, an idea that's honest, that's more or less complete where, uh, and you have to be open-minded when you approach, you know, other people who are experts in their fields and have to be open for what they can deliver as well, what they can kind of contribute. And what they did was incredible. And everything's on, all the performances are on the, on the album. Not all the songs unfortunately made it, uh, but you know, that's, sure. uh, that's going to be in our, in our box for maybe, you know, future projects. Uh, but what we did deliver is, you know, just judging by the amount of support we've received so far is <laughs> nothing. I, it, I'm over, uh, I've never expected anything like this. Yeah. And you got a nice collection of people there. It looks like uh, pretty varied in terms of what they do and, and, and what they're into, but they really came through for, for you. Um, because I know, like you were saying, you wrote, all of this, and you had placeholder parts for the instruments that weren't your natural instruments. And these guys came in and, and basically added their own takes on those parts uh, to a large extent. I mean, that means they're interpreting what you put down. How closely did they interpret it? And where, where did you find them surprisingly even going above and beyond what you thought you could expect like what song do you think really stood out as the one where you went wow okay i didn't see it go in that direction and they really nailed it oh wow i think every every day where i got tracks back was <laughs> an incredible day made my week you know every day um and but the biggest shock and awe i've gotten was you know there's a couple of things i didn't write for example vocals was you can't really write vocals and you can't really and then ask someone to pour their heart out it's just yeah. not something i believe in to be honest and you know including gospel vocals so when nimivari was invited to sing you know i said this is basically like the dna of dark side of the moon i want you to make your own version of that i think it would fit i don't know let's try something that's basically what my vision was and she delivered and a half, honestly, because that it, it, it's a one shot take apparently with a uh, with a lot of back vo back vocals that were uh, an afterthought as well. And that to this day, sometimes I you know when my confidence is low as a musician, I go back and I just listen to that, and it's still just as inspiring. 
Well, I think that speaks a lot to what you created, that it was able to inspire performances that were not only in sync with you, but enhanced what you had already brought to the table. And I think that's an impressive level of synergy to achieve via distance. I appreciate that a lot. And, you know, I can, there's a lot of work that went into it, but I just don't remember the work, you know, because it was just like a routine thing you did. Um, and there were so many versions and so many choices that you make, but I just feel extremely lucky because that that's honestly what I've retained from all of that experience. I don't even remember the hard work that it took. So yeah. I, I just know that it took a while and it was one day at a time. There were a couple of frustrations, but they are so much outweighed by all the talent that, you know, all, all the tracks that I've received from all these talented people who collaborated. And, you know, in, in a way I was in a position where I was very low in my life. And through this music, I, they grew like, you know, I grew with that music and I grew as a person and I grew, those songs were my friends, you know, and listening to them today in this today's context it's they they are already grown and they're different than from what I remember writing them, you know. Um, so honestly, you know, I'm I'm glad that this music spoke to people. I'm hoping that they've kind of, um, you know, got in, got inspired by the the fact that it's very naive, the the fact that it's very honest, mm. uh, because that's what it is. It's just me taking small steps in something that I wasn't sure I could do. Um, you know, and, and it worked. That's amazing in my mind that you describe it in some ways as naive. I certainly agree with honest because I think that's what has made it successful. I think, and probably to a large extent, how you connected with those collaborators that they were able to interpret what you gave them in a way that again, enhanced it naive. Maybe uh, there are parts <laughs> of that he's judging yourself through your own lens, but there's a part of me that says I hear a maturity in those songs, in that music. Um, I, I feel like there's power. A debut album. I mean, like, holy smokes, like this comes across like, you know, Michael Elf Ackerfeld just put out <laughs> the newest, you know, you know, Opus with Opeth, if I can <laughs> have words that sound similar. Um, you know, it, it doesn't strike me as a debut album in that sense. I think there's power in naivety. You know, there's there's power in being naive because it's your first steps and you're amazed by everything. Picasso, you know, that's what he said at, at the end of his life. He said that all his life he's been trying to draw like he was a child. You know, you're searching for that innocence because that's that's what you, that's where, you know, where all your dreams, you lose them with time. You know, you, you lose that innocence and you're searching for it. And I think that, what was captured in this debut album was exactly that. I mean, you, you, it was the first steps into a world that's into two worlds that, you know, I barely knew. And I was, I had high hopes for sure. You know, I was trying my best and, but there was always this, you know, aspect of not guessing yourself and, and just going with, Oh, this is my guts. You know, I'm not sure what scale or chord or <laughs> any of this jazz stuff is. I just know that I kind of sounds like jazz. I'm not sure if it works or not. And I feel that that's what also adds to the whole, um, you know, uh, honest, honesty in the songs and the music. Yeah. And I've heard it said many times, music is feeling uh, given a form, so to speak. And, you know, if you are creating something true to your feelings, it's going to be honest. And if it's maybe something that hasn't been, you know, uh, touched by cynicism or, um, gotten, so to speak, bored with things. So you were in these two new situations. So I think a lot of that enhances that aspect of it. You know, it's it's fresh and it's honest. And, you know, I think that goes a long way towards creating good, solid music. And I, I think you achieved that there. And I know that's got to be interesting as well, because you you created it from a from an instrumental standpoint. And then you brought in Sylvain, uh, Sylvain, Sylvain Auclair, to put some lyrics to it, put some vocals to it. Yes. And I'm curious, how did that process work <laughs> when you were doing that? Was Did you pretty much go, here's the music, do something? Or, or did you have some notes, some suggestions, give him a little bit of framework to play in that he <laughs> then had to, uh, you know, embellish? 
It's a great story, actually. Um, Sylvain is a good, dear friend of mine from Montreal. Um, he's, uh, I'm his number one fan. I've been for quite a while. He's got amazing projects, everything he does. He's in pretty much all the cover bands. He's got a Pink Floyd cover band, Supertramp cover band as well, you know. Uh, but he also plays in prog metal bands like Heaven's Cry, which is something I grew up listening to, you know, and Carsius as well. Uh, amazing, amazing projects. Uh, incredible bassist, uh, incredible musician all around, great songwriter. So, you know, I've been a fan forever. And he was my trump card at the back of my mind. You know, I was looking, what kind of vocals was I looking for? And I wanted clean vocals. You know, I wanted something that could convey the most of emotion uh, without being angry because sure you know it, it it all began with loneliness it is about isolation but it's also about that escapism you know there's always a positive message that i really wanted so that's what i how i presented it to sylvain and i presented to sylvain i knew he was my trump card i didn't want him to say no i've created you know he was the last piece of the puzzle as you say right you know you know he was the last last person to embark on this journey so the demo was pretty much complete um you know and when I sent those over, I expected, you know, I sent one song at a time, a couple of songs. I didn't want to bombard him with everything as well. Um, and he was so enthusiastic to the songs, you know. He was very receptive and he already imagined stories and and he wanted to bring a lot of himself. And as I said, you know, earlier, I believe that singer should, you know, vocalist should bring in his own experiences you know and he was also living through a hard time during the pandemic as a music professional musician sure um so he had a lot to say as well and that coincided with a lot of what i had to say but there was a couple of situations where you know i had stories per song that i wanted to kind of tell and he politely listened and politely did his own thing but he still did retain his you know the whole feeling of everything because that's that's all we can write about, you know. Uh, he had, to me, a gargantuan task because, you know, those songs meant something to me, but I want them to mean something to everyone. And to write that as a writer, to me, is incredible uh, to see. Um, you know, that last song is a personal song to me, and it will be forever uh, about my friend. But it's the way that Sylvain approached it, the way that Sylvain wrote about it, was a lot of him in there, too. And, you know, he, and you should analyze it however you want, you know, even if you know that this is specifically about a friend who's, you know, dying from cancer, it, it could mean so much more to so many other people. It's all about, you know, perspective. And he brought that and it was his own thing on some songs, you know, uh, and we were compatible on every single song. You know, as I said, I think you have to be open-minded and let the professionals do their work too. Um, it's my baby but I was willing, you know, wanting it to be our baby. You know, you have to be that open. So Sylvain really um, came back with amazing, just amazing lyrics and amazing words and amazing um, vocal lines. You know, I was expecting maybe a demo uh, with maybe a couple of harmonies. He came right. back with 40 tracks per song. You know, I have things I've never even heard. You know, he's got, he caught on to the cynic influences that I kind of wrote in and he went all out with the vocoder, you know, and there's a couple of muse influences. I think uh, I'm not sure where he brought those in, but that reminds me of muse a lot. Um, you know, all sorts of things that he has its own library and, you know, uh, uh, of music that he enjoys and that also added to the pot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he really nailed it. I think as far as, as, Putting vocals in that just mesh with the music, it feels like it was composed as a whole, all at once, more so than it does, you know, that he came in and, and did something after the music was put together. Um, and the emotion that he conveys, uh, I think, really strikes a tone well. Yeah, he cared. Um, he cared and it showed. I mean, that's all you can ask for from, uh, you know, musicians you, you play with, collaborate with. Well, it sounds to like an extent, I mean... This, I think, the the concepts and the emotion behind the album have such a universal, you know, a universal um, connection for anybody. One that went through the pandemic, 
but two, that's the experience times of isolation and times of loneliness and all that. And I think so th that the fact that everybody can relate to that on some level, and especially at the time you were creating this, I, I think must be uh, to a large extent what contributes to you know, how it's being so almost universally praised. At least everything I've seen so far, the the, the reviews have been exceedingly positive. You know, like just gushing, and you know, you're talking about a debut album halfway through the year that's getting mentions for album of the year consideration. So, you know, I think what you hit upon was something that really connects with people, and it connected really well with your collaborators, which I think then just communicates to the rest of us that are sitting back listening. I'm absolutely overwhelmed by all the support. Nothing of this was planned, you know. Um, if only I've known, you know. Um, maybe I wouldn't be in, in such a dark place too. Uh, but to, to be honest, I think the one thing I'm extremely proud and the way that, you know, this album is received musically, but also the message behind the music is something that's very important to us. And it's very unmetal if you think about it, because it's a very positive message as dire as, you know, the music and dramatic it is. And I know I'm, I'm going for, you know, all out dramatic music in there, but <laughs> as much as it goes there there's always always positivism you know and there's always like you know lyrics that are stating that you know you can burn the world down but you're you want to save it you know you want to do good and i think that it was this healing factor that we were looking for i think Sylvain more than you know but the most um we're looking for this healing factor. We were looking to say someone to say that to us while we were in the pandemic and while we were isolated, you know, and you know, you don't need to be in the pandemic to feel isolated either. You know, it's, 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 and that, you know, I'm glad in, in one, in a way that I had something honest as honest to say during this debut album, because of course, you know, even musically could have just been another album I've, done with a band but i felt like i had something very honest and very important to say and i'm glad with sylvain that i found the, the perfect voice to do it yeah yeah seems like so hopefully you're able to keep that collaboration going for future projects but also i guess there's the idea of hey with with all this notice and all this success there's going to be talk of a tour I yes. Hope. yes. Yeah, so. there will be. Of course, we, to bring there's a lot of moving pieces. Obviously, none. Again, I, I'm mentioning it again, but nothing was planned, uh, <laughs> you know. And uh, we're already talking about booking shows, uh, and we want to bring in a, a live experience. You know, there's a lot of jazz influences in our music, and how about we dial that to eleven? You know, how about we? There's a lot of jamming sessions in the middle of the songs. You know, bridges that can become. A little bit longer, a lot more jazzing, uh, a lot more, uh, you know, putting the horns and and you know and 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 the reeds and the saxophones and everyone uh, more front and center live in a live aspect because you know again it's important that they're part of DNA and not just someone that kind of comes in for a couple of measures and leaves. That's not what we're aiming for. So that experience, we're definitely bringing it live. We're working really hard on it, uh, and. Uh, I'm guessing that next year would be a, a great jump start with a couple of tours, a couple of shows, and I'm just wishing the best and hoping hoping for the best. Yeah, yeah, because you know when you've got, and I'm I'm guessing you're hoping to bring all the collaborators of the album together, so they're <laughs> they're all over the place. Yeah, a little bit, I guess. Exactly. How far flung are they? Uh, well. Uh, James Norrell, he's in the U.S. Uh, Ronaldo Acande is from Argentina, Chile. I've got uh, the, the, the clarinet player, uh, Koryapian. He's in Russia. Uh, he, uh, Andy Tillerson, of course, is in England. Leo Estals, uh, he's from France. So, you know, uh, a lot of moving pieces, as I've said, but you know, also, I think in, in a realistic world, we're also going to, you know, work with people who are available at that time as well. Uh, the soul of the anchorette is, is going to be uh, Sylvain uh, and myself. 
and you know whoever the collaborator can you know as much as i want i know that it might not be realistic <laughs> you know everyone's extremely busy i'm looking at andy who's you know releasing his like 13th or 14th album uh he's a prog rock legend um he's royalty in my in my mind um but uh you know the one thing that i really want to do is meet all these beautiful people um and uh i'd love to in some capacity so maybe invite them over on for one gig, for, for one show or not, you know, invite them over for a bigger gig. We're looking at what's available and we're looking at what's realistic as well, because it's a, you know, that's the one, the good thing that the pandemic did bring, I felt like you, you mentioned it, is that everyone kind of had the time to Sergeant Pepper their music, you know, yeah. go all out and do impossible things without expecting, you know, to go maybe on tour. Um, and, you know, also labels, also are taking chances for bands that are mixing things up a little bit more than usual. I think that's the big positive that post-pandemic brought into the music industry. But the bad aspect of it is that touring is as tough or it's tougher than it ever was. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing a lot of bands, a lot of friends uh, that are really struggling. You know, I was extremely surprised to see Diagonist called it quits. Uh, which is a huge band here in Montreal and I think worldwide. Um, so, you know, it's it's a tough world out there, but we are working hard to bringing it live 100%. It's, yeah. it's going to happen, you know. And that'll be another, I guess, interesting evolution in the Anchorette, in the idea that you've collaborated with these people, you've made music together, and you've done it really, really well, and you've done it all without ever playing together in the same room. <laughs> So that's that other part when you talk about uh, adding jazz elements and, and things like that, you know, that's suggestive of some improvisation. And, you know, that'll, that certainly is one of those things where I guess now you're going to get to hopefully experience what it's like to do that with one another, to, to be able to play off of one another and get to understand uh, all those little elements you bring to a live performance and, and make it, to an extent, maybe something even a little bit different than it was in the album, I suppose. It will be. Um, I'm thinking that, you know, having that jazz soul, having that improvisation is is key part because that's the backbone of the whole album, right? Placeholders are placeholders. The drums were written the way that the drums were written. Um, and even though I spent countless hours on it, they're never going to be the same as, you know, the improvisational part where, you know, the transitions of the drums and all that, like, and I'm looking to live it live as well, you know, having fun with it. Um, see masters play at it. He's collaborating with new amazing people, meeting, you know, bringing people together, seeing what comes out of it. You know, it's part of the whole human experience, but also as a musician, it's that's what you're looking for. Um, and we're also thinking about not using, for example, a clip track, you know, going all out with the non metally uh, aspect of it so we'll see how that goes as well you know and we're talking about a very you know and that's basically barely just released a debut album so i don't think we're gonna have m- much um you know time to play live on stage as well uh, as much as i'd like to improvise for three hours straight <sighs> i'm thinking that we should keep it to th- 30 minutes and hopefully that's two songs you know <laughs> <laughs> in the prog world that's that's that the prog that's tradition the <laughs> yeah, it's proctorition. Exactly. Let's take Neil Morse levels and it's one <laughs> We're not there yet, but maybe <laughs> one day. <laughs> uh, that is the ultimate pinnacle there. I, I think somewhere along the line, he's, he's going to work his way towards a 45-minute or full 60-minute uninterrupted song, uh, which, depending on who's in the band with him, they may be like, dude, <laughs> can you let us rest. You see them like, sweating. They're not the same people when they started. They're different people <laughs> at the end of the song, yeah. <laughs> um. So curious, too. I mean, you know, I, I imagine as as much as you were feeling good about what you were hearing and what was coming back to you in the collaborations, did you have any inkling at that point in time that you had something special that was going to get this reaction, this critical reaction? And, and I'm going to hope, I don't know why not, because a lot of the critics I'm seeing are fans of Prague as well. Um, but, you know, this reaction from the people out there is that how prepared were you to get these reactions and these reviews? 
zero zero and i keep saying it and it feels like a like i'm acting you know it feels like it's something that i'm saying to kind of stay humble but it, it's absolutely humbling i'm overwhelmed i really did think i'm gonna piss off everyone and you know i got a little bit more confidence when i saw you know andy tillison joining in and james christopher norrell pitching in his berkeley skill you know berkeley, berkeley chops into the mix as well and i started being you know maybe they're bored it's the pandemic after all you know i always had that little voice um you know it's just that person that i was i guess but the way the album is i'm overwhelmed honestly uh the, the way that the album is perceived and it's it's loved and it's shared and it's uh you know i'm part of i i'd never expected to be here on the journey i was uh yeah overwhelmed and humbling experience throughout the whole thing there's not even you know funny stories when you know we did get signed by willow tip i kind of said are you sure <laughs> because i you know are you sure we kind of fit the roster are you sure this is interesting and it was a shot in the dark we how did that come you know it's something that we always dream about i always wanted to be a signed band by you know and never expected it to be willow tip records who is synonymous for quality records to me and i've known and followed them since like the arses days heard about the necrophages uh of, you know album release too so i've been following them for a while and all the heavier stuff all the really forward thinking more progressive but definitely more heavy stuff and then, you know, I saw in the roster bands like Perius and bands like An Abstract Illusion, who I am 100% thinking that, you know, it's thanks to them. They've opened the floodgates to, to bands that are have more of a progressive route like, yeah. uh, like us, you know. They've opened the floodgates for us, gave us a fighting chance. And, uh, you know, I send an email in the dark at midnight woke up the next morning had that conversation you know um so it's dumb luck maybe the stars were aligned and uh but i wasn't sure you know i and i never expected and then you know after when that album was announced to launch i was like are you sure that willow tip fans are gonna enjoy this album with maybe half a blast beat throughout like it's one hour runtime um and you know maybe this is the album that people needed to hear or wanted to hear at that moment of time i see i don't see why not you know <laughs> so far uh, 2023 really has been an embarrassment of riches in terms of prog and especially new artists and new music and and like yours is one of several debut albums that really just uh, hit hard and and are getting attention and to an extent, I think, you know, maybe the world's starting to come around to Prague. I realize it's not the hip thing always, but at some point in time, things that aren't hip become hip. And trust me, again, child of the 80s, <laughs> D&D, Lord of the Rings, Rush, Doctor Who, dude, they're all hip now. They're all hip now. They're, they're all absolutely worldwide phenomenons, and they are hip, so... One, it just proves what I've always said. I'm always right. It just takes the world a while to catch up. <laughs> but I absolutely know. agree. Absolutely, <laughs> they were always hip. It's just the world kind of catches up, you know. And I think maybe they're catching up to Prague as well. You know, it's funny. Crownlands releases a new Rush album, which yeah. is fantastic. Beyond, right. it's crazy. No Spoon is album of the year in my mind, you know, with Ocris as well. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, but they're blown, you know, where did they come from? And it's incredible. And just being, you know, mentioned sometimes uh, in the same list as those uh, amazing, amazing, uh, you know, albums, um, you know, I'm just, it's, it's crazy. I think that people are coming around for Prague, even judging by, you know, bands like Avenged Sevenfold, uh, hmm. who just released the prog album because <laughs> why not uh i guess you know i had a i kind of started following them in the stage and i was like this reminds me of david bowie you know a lot and i think i was right because they just came up with life is about a dream and it, that's you know a crazy album very yeah. good sleep yeah. token also kind of meshes up 
it's like one of those bands that everyone talks about and they they mix and match a lot of elements you know um another one hollow scene from the ocean collective yeah blew me away uh it reminds me they mixed a lot of elements that are you know since for example it's something new and they reminded me of uh another uh group called archive uh which is like a, more of a poppy kind of, you know, band, but they experiment a lot. They're like a more poppy Radiohead, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, may, maybe maybe it's this was again. Maybe we got lucky, and this is the perfect year to release the kind of music that we did. Maybe yeah. next year would not have been. Maybe the year before would not have been either. But you know, stars were aligned, I guess. I I, I have seen the seemingly unthinkable happen this year. Where and granted it was local, it wasn't national, but nonetheless, a a New York City TV station interviewing John Petrucci during their their news broadcast. Hold on, wait, Prague is on TV. What's happening here? What what's and like this is prime time. This is like this is people are awake and we're seeing this. What's happening? They also like, got a Grammy. Yeah. They also <laughs> right? got a Grammy, well deserved too. Yeah. You know so. It's only thirty years late, but sure, <laughs> absolutely. But they still, they, they still got it. You know, the yeah. world, as you said, the world is catching up. Maybe, yeah, yeah. It, it starts to feel that way, and it all started with blah 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 during the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speech by Alex Lifeson. I would say, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know if you've yeah, that speech, but yeah, it was it was actually blah blah blah. It was fantastic. <laughs> A moment of one word brilliance and. <laughs> You know, then like, a few words. Yes. True to his true to his name, you know. <laughs> God bless him. I loved every minute of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's maybe it's that time, you know, and, and that's where I think in some ways I'm surprised to hear you were worried you were going to piss people in the Prague community off. But I get it. I think your experience was that you maybe encountered people who had a narrow idea of what Prague should sound like. And I always think you're you're not the only ones that's experienced it that way either. I've talked to other, you know, musicians who have said the same thing with about, yeah, if you seem to have like this, you know, blinders on of what Prague's supposed to be, and I can do something else besides that. Yes, you can. Guess what? That's called being progressive. That's what's intended, that you do different things, that you go in other directions, you know, that you, as I will say in my slogan for my show, you know, deviate from the norm, push the boundaries. Know, like this is what Prague is meant to be, which means, guess what? If it sounds really different, then you're probably doing it right. Yeah, and you know, if you're pissing some people off, then you're definitely doing something right. That's the yeah. classic, you know, the classic <laughs> kind of balance. Um, I had this question in another interview, saying, you know, your music is, or even it's a criticism at some point too, that your music isn't pushing boundaries. It's not really progressive you know but what is progressive i guess ours is more of an exercise in restraint more than anything we kind of leave a lot of room and you know to to kind of to breathe through with you know improvisational stuff here and there maybe that's the prog aspect but i never set out to do a prog album that wasn't what i wanted i just wanted crime of the century with my metal roots um and then i got bored of that and i said you know how about we throw in a little bit of opeth mixed with dark side of the moon and that came that came what that became what it became yeah um not and you know is pink floyd progressive is it today i guess yeah but is it really when it came out i don't think so so i guess progressive to me is just or at least the the aspect for progressive music for our progressive element in our music is the fact that it's the journey you go from point a to point b and you go through all these like maze-like places you know uh it's not your average three minutes songs Uh, i've never set out to make a long song it just so happens because that's what the song needed to say kind of thing so i guess if your music has journey uh and if you have something honest to say to me that's prog you know i i don't i don't feel like you should play a million notes a minute to play to be considered prog um you know and i didn't have that vision at all i i honestly maybe i would have if i could have 
but unfortunately i'm not john petrucci um you know so i i can't <laughs> who is these days exactly <laughs> it's always been my thought process as well is you know you look back and okay so you want to look at the classic period of prog there you you know you have say yes and elp who are shredding and the complexity and the time signature changes and this, that, and the other. But then at the same time, you would have Pink Floyd, which was more artsy and feel and textures and things like that, but always with these overarching themes that are going through the songs. It wasn't always about technical brilliance. And on any given day, I will take a David Gilmore over an Ingve Malmsteen without even thinking hard about it, you know, because of what he can do not just with the notes, but with the space between the notes. And that's an important skill. And restraint is something I've, I've talked about with people before. It's, it's not to be uh, minimized in terms of its importance in music and being creative. And, and even these modern days, you know, yeah, you've got your dream theaters, you know, who are going to burn your eyebrows off with their technical <laughs> brilliance uh, from song to song. And you're going to have your porcupine trees that are going to float in with much more texture and, and a little bit more nuance. And yeah, okay. Once in a while, Steven gets pissed and he'll start to shred a little bit. But for the most part, they're, they're more about in many ways, that, that kind of more restrained composition. Um, I mean, especially like if you compare Jordan Rudess, you know, and his, his, his rock God, you know, guitar hero style of playing keyboards. And, um, and now I'm going to blank on his name, but Porcupine's keyboard, uh, Porcupine Tree's keyboard player, totally out of my head right now because I wanted it and I didn't think of it ahead of time. But his style, which I compare to, you know, dude looking for where he put his keys down. <laughs> like I watched him just kind of wander from table to table, keyboard to keyboard, and not nudging a thing here, nudging a thing there. It, it did not look like he was putting in quite the workout that Jordan puts in. And yeah, and it's, you know, yeah. you need both. You need both. Yeah. You absolutely need both in the life. And to me, yeah. like one of, and it's it's funny, but one of my favorite keyboard uses or, you know, synths is in Rammstein of all places <laughs> because I hear, I hear the music, you know, imagine, I'm imagining myself as like the producer or someone, you know, doing the keyboards on that and I have no idea what to do. Like you can't play a solo. You can't, you just create textures and it's incredible what, you know, uh, I was going to say flea, but it's not flea, uh, but he, well, what he does, it's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely incredible. You know, also I grew up listening to Linkin Park, which is probably one of my first, you know, bands that I listened to as a kid uh, that I loved and Linkin Park's production is off. It's crazy. It's something it should be top of mind for anyone actually, you know, going into layers and building layers in music. Um, and those, you know, bands we don't necessarily think of right away. We think about Jordan Rudis. So of mm. course, you know, the, that's the the keyboard god. You know, he's also better than me on guitar, 100%. Um, but uh, then again, you need that contrast with, you know, uh, more subdued uh, and synth-based, you know, more more room more airy stuff and i'm glad that both exist yeah and i think they will always exist i'm hoping that maybe we can have both in 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 the same song with the anchor we'll see <laughs> go for it <laughs> that's what i love about frog especially the long songs the various movements and sections within that just has always appealed to me quite a bit um so We've spent all this time talking about music, but there was one other aspect of your life I thought I wanted to touch on before we uh, wrap this up. But I was just very curious because, you know, when you mentioned that the animations for uh, the videos were yours. So I'm going, wait, OK, so he's got this other talent pool, this other aspect of life besides being a musician. And, you know, I had to check it out. Of course, it's pretty cool. I managed to have it here. I'll throw it up here, but tell me about this a little bit. Tell me, like, how do we get from A to B when, with all of this? I'm very curious. <laughs> oh, I, I see you, 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 uh, you part of the, the video game we're working yeah. on. Um, again, you know, it's all sort of, it's all sorts of collaboration with people. Um, you know, I, I was thinking the, the, the journey of the astronaut, the astronaut is something that's been 
absolutely overused in uh, in Prague, of course. You know, we're not the first ones. We're definitely not the last one. And I've always kind of attributed the fact that, you know, I think the Apollo missions were always inspiring for Prague. That thing started, you know, polluting TV at that time. And right. I can guarantee you that all musicians were starting to look to the sky and to the moon and be like, okay, this is really inspiring. We're you're going charting something new in the world. Um, and it, it still inspires me. But in our cases, uh, I kind of have a twist on the uh, on the on the astronaut character, and the astronaut character is actually the I call him Id, Id because he's the Id in the Forsaken video clip, for example. You know the, the 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 song it talks about isolation, but in my mind, that song was always about more specifically Alzheimer's, more specifically dementia. You know, uh, and the video clip represents that to me at least. It's in it's Id, the astronaut flying through memories that are being broken down, uh, going, you know, being destroyed yeah. on fire uh, increasingly until at the end, the last thing to burn out. And it's the id, it's yourself person who you are. And it's, that's the astronaut, the astronaut. That's how it kind of, oh, wow. uh, so that character was created, you know, we're far from being, you know, the mascot. It's not Iron Maiden's Ed, but it's the anchor. It's id. <laughs> that was the joke. That's where that's where it kind of came from. Um, so, I had also, you know, I've been speaking with Andy, and I've been speaking with, um, Yara Sylvain, and they're from a different generation, you know, and they from a different generation where, uh, you sit down, uh, and you have a vinyl, and you put that on, and you listen to it, and then when side A finishes, you put side B, and that's all you do. That's that's all you do. We're I'm more of a generation. I have to have a fidget spinner. I have to do something with my hands. I have to do something. Unfortunately, that's where it is. And I do have vinyls and I enjoy that. But I definitely am playing catch up with all these people who kind of absolutely uh, love it way more than me, you know, and been doing it forever. And that's kind of their like uh, uh, little, little time, you know. Um, uh, and, and I was thinking about just that idea of what's my generation's listening to vinyl and doing only that. I immediately thought of video games. Uh, I'm a big gamer myself, uh, obviously, but I like stories. <laughs> I just always do. Um, and so I went, uh, I tried, and the tools are available now. Most of the tools are free as well. You just have to put in the time, the effort, tutorials are everywhere. Uh, you know, you can also have help from Fiverr. You can, there's all sorts of apps out there. And I just decided on building this, like I said, fidget spinner, like a walking yeah. simulator of just doing something while the album is being played in the back. And you're basically making your own video clip. You're, yeah. you know, you're, you're, there's, you're lost on a planet and that's, there's not much to do, but you're doing something by walking around, jumping around and, you experience arms in, the sand. arms in the sand there's a there's maybe a couple of other easter eggs in there by but that by the time you finish two easter eggs you know more than half of the album is complete right and that's a totally different way of consuming music too um and this is not something that is going to be up on sale this is going to be free this is going right. to be on your cell phone it's going to be on your computer if you want still oh, cool. trying to figure that out but it's just doing something with your hands while you're listening to the music because to me that's my generations of listening to vinyl music yeah gotcha yeah i do miss the days of getting a new album and sitting and reading the lyrics while listening to it you know and that's what i would do and and when i got done listening or reading the lyrics or in between the points where i needed to read the lyrics i was reading the liner notes and that's that's how I got a lot of information and made a lot of connections from band to band. When you start realizing, wait a minute, I've seen that name before, you know, and liner notes are a place where you learn names like Mel Collins, saxophonist in the seventies and eighties, or, or the basis with the world's greatest name, Pino Palladino. Yeah. <laughs> who got around, you know, him and Tony Levin were the two guys who, Did if there everything. was a session basis, it was usually one of them. Yeah. That, you know, they got around. Um, this, of course, I noticed that was interesting as I was getting it loaded in to, to fiddle around with it on my computer and noticed it was the Unreal en uh, Engine that was running this. And I'm going, wow, yes. okay, so 
I, I'm among those that were the OGs for Unreal because played the original game from which the engine was based back when it was new um, and things like that. But at the same time, he put me in mind for some reason. I, I saw this, I saw the album cover, and the first thing came to my mind, and I don't, this, this is one, dating myself, as if I haven't done that already. <laughs> and two, it's probably before your time, but I don't, you may have heard of it, but the, the animated film Heavy Metal. Yes, of course. Then there was Heavy Metal 2000. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm lucky enough to have uh, a father that showed me all his collections and all, and he was pretty go. much a geek too. So, um, you know, he showed me a lot of these things. And of course, yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, I I didn't think about Heavy Metal, but creating it, but I definitely see it, you know. Um, yeah. And there, there's a lot of homages in the whole, you know, I, I did the graphic design for, uh the, the the CD and the vinyl as well, uh, but I have to admit that I've stumbled upon the amazing work by Giuseppe Lorza, who did the cover art, and that cover art spoke to me on so many levels because it has that kind of a homage to old prog albums, you know, that maybe Cadbury scene where it's a little tongue in cheek because. Right. It's serious when you look at it. It's about isolation. I think it's pretty obvious. It has that astronaut, which is very prog. Sure. But it's also kind of funny, you know, at the same time, very tongue-in-cheek. And that escapism, I think, is my favorite aspect of just prog music in general. It can be the most dramatic thing ever, but then, you know, Haken throws in a little bit of a circus, <laughs> you know, bridge in there. And I love it. You know, yeah. that's that's right. what it's all about. Um. Besides so, yeah. being great guys, Haken will always have my heart simply for the fact that they made their own Muppets for a video. Yes, I know. Commitment, it has to be admired. It's Cockroach King, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that that album, that whole album, The Mountain, is just, you know, it's just like this big, big journey. And then there's the Cockroach King, which is yeah. just, don't forget to smile once in a while through the journey, you know, kind of yeah. a reminder. Love it. Yeah, it, it absolutely is perfect, you know went ahead and looked up out on online how to make Muppets and made their own. All right. Yeah. That's pretty much how I looked up online and then saw how to make a video game and made my own, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or something, anything brilliant, anything unusual, you know, uh, Devin, Devin Townsend pulling out a a theremin for live performance. Like, okay, you know what? Now I've come to the conclusion. If if you don't have a theremin, you may not be relevant anymore. Got to have a theremin. I'm, t- I'm taking notes. I'm uh, here. You go. I'm just writing <laughs> it down, down. Right here. <laughs> taking notes. Theremin on album two. <laughs> we'll start with that. It's, then it's going to go into a little bit of an homage to Star Trek. You know, yeah. maybe <laughs> you have to. If you have and a theremin, you have to. You have to. Yeah. You can't not. <laughs> and the greatest quote after showing that off to the audience was, "Hey, pretty cool, right? It's four hundred dollars. Buy a T-shirt." <laughs> Devin Town said, I remember when he came in with a strapping young lad and he's like, you guys are ugly. And that stuck with me all my life. <laughs> and he had like the half dreads thing going on. Beautiful. The man is a performer. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, Ed, dude, it's uh, it's been a great conversation. Uh, I, I really enjoyed meeting you and talking with you about this, uh, you know, because, again, I. I'm I'm into Prague because I love discovery and the Anchorit is another one of the great discoveries I've had so far this year, but it's so cool hearing everything that was behind it, you know, and, and, and how you came about pulling that together and just getting to know a little bit more about the person and uh, in the creator's seat for that. Thank you. Likewise, Dave, thank you for having me on the show and giving me the opportunity to talk. I had such a blast. It was so fun. Thank you for going over, you know, and you, you gave me a note, no theremin, and I'll, <laughs> I'll hold you up to that for sure. <laughs> All right. I, I expect a, a note in the credit lining liner for a uh, credit liner album liner. Mm-hmm. Close enough. I, I think the warranty in my mouth may be running out for the evening. So maybe a good time <laughs> to wrap up here before I say something really dumb. But anyway, thank you again. I appreciate your time uh, and, and continued luck with the album. I, I am so glad it's getting the reception it is. It's much deserved, and I, I really look forward to hopefully seeing you and some version of the band come around on tour here in the States. Uh, you know, if you're in the Philly area, you know, shoot me a line, let me know. It'd be a great thing to see you guys perform, even if it's two much. songs for half an hour or one song for half an hour. It's all good. 
we'll we'll do our best 100 percent. it's 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 definitely it's it's definitely on the table and we're working hard and bringing it to, to underworld for sure thank you very much dave you're welcome take care best wish take care bye-bye Bye. I know after my interview with Randy George, I talked about how I love speaking to veterans in the world of music, especially Prague. But I also really, really enjoy talking to the young newcomers to it and their fresh takes and their young takes, so to speak, on the music I've been listening to for going on close to 20 years or more at this point in time, depending on who you're talking about. So it's really awesome to hear. It's almost like it's in their DNA and they were just meant to do this and even if they didn't intend to start off and go, oh, I'm making a prog album, that's how it turned out. And the creativity on display is just really so impressive. Ed, I want to thank you once again for your time and your generosity with talking with me for such a long period of time and sending me your very cool video, your software that I turned into a video. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm so glad to see the very, very positive response to the album in terms of critical response and reviews. I hope it is every bit as successful as the reviews say it should be. And I hope to see you guys on tour real, real soon, because I'm sure that'll be pretty damn awesome, too. So thank you again, Ed. Best wishes to you. Thank you for talking to me. Thanks for joining me once again for another episode of Bleeding Edge Interviews. Don't forget, tune in to Toxic Radio every Sunday, all day Sunday, for the all prog, all day Brain Salad Sunday. That's where you get to hear all the music that we just spent time talking about. In addition, you can locate me out there in the world of social media, whether it's on Twitter, where you can find me at bleeding triple underscore, that's three underscores, edge, or maybe on Facebook, where you can find me at bleeding edge show. Or last but not least, you can also locate me on Instagram, bleeding underscore edge underscore show. Matter of fact, I'm also on threads now at this point in time with that same handle. Find me there. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know what you think about Prague. Let me know what you think about what you had for dinner tonight. Doesn't matter. Check me out. Give me the like and the follow. And thanks once again for joining me for Bleeding Edge Interviews. And remember, don't be afraid to deviate from the norm. Keep it Prague. This is Super Dave signing off.